Today we have a special guest preacher from Seoul. He's a little bit taller. He was, he's, he's a, a man of God whom I love very much. Married to our sister, Pastor Nina, uh, who is a very close friend, a personal close friend of uh, Pastor Mina as well. And he was in my wedding. He was one of my groomsmen. Um, he was the best looking of my groomsmen. So I put him at the end, like far from me. And then I put David next to me. He's, he's, uh, Diddy is not as good looking as this man. If I, I, I'm, I love it because, uh, you know, like he's, he's just, he's just great. Like he's like the most disciplined and, and, you know, like the most proper man in the world. But when I'm around him, I can just be myself and I'd be like, ah, I go like, and he, he accepts me for who I am. He's a great friend. I'm going to welcome up uh, Pastor John Newfeld. All right, thank you for that warm introduction, Caleb. Wow, I've never been uh, introduced quite that way before, but I'm grateful that you think so highly of the way that I look. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, as Pastor Caleb has said, I'm the executive director of worship at New Philadelphia Church. We're a church with three campuses so far, one more coming up in Australia, uh, that's kicking off right away. And, uh, it's such a joy and a delight to be on this journey with this, this family that's so much bigger than, than one region of a city or one city, but God's doing a mighty thing, a mighty move uh, across Korea and through Asia in, in what he's given us to, to set the captives free, to raise up an army of mighty warriors who will go out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to set captives free. And that's the, the mandate, the anointing that God's given us. And so it's a delight to be. It's always good to come to Seaside. Always good to come to Busan. I don't know if you guys realize this, but Seoul does not have one cherry blossom yet. Like, it just, it just doesn't happen. I, I, when I come to Busan, it's just like, wow, it's, it's so much... Nicer here, I mean, the weather, you know. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I love cherry blossoms, and it was, uh, I didn't realize they were going to be out already, and it was uh, a sweet surprise to come out and uh, to be near the ocean. It's, uh, it's beautiful, and so it's always an honor and a privilege to come here. So thank you for having me here uh, today. I've been in Korea for a while. Uh, I first came out to Korea about 10 years ago. Actually, more than 10 years ago is the first time I came out. I've, I've left Korea for good two times already. I don't know if any of you have had that experience before. You're like, I've been here for maybe a year. That's long enough. I'm going back to my home country. I'm from Canada, so I'm going to go back to Canada. And, and that was nice, but, uh, but you know, I, I'm done with Korea, that sort of thing. But God has kept bringing me back. And, and one of the first things I noticed when I came to Korea was how okay people are with checking themselves out in a public mirror. <laughs> Have you guys noticed that? Uh, I mean, there are, there are a number of things that struck me. There are things like, like seeing children walk the streets alone at night. I'm like, that would never happen in Canada. <laughs> even, even in a rural area of Canada, like you, children wouldn't do that because some wild animal might come out of the bush and like <laughs> take, take them or something, you know? But children do that, you know, it, kind of a culture shock sort of thing, right? Uh, when I first came, my first meal in Korea was, uh, it was a, a gogi meal, it was a meat meal with, uh, with chige, with a soup in the middle of the table. And 
uh, Koreans were around the table with me just naturally like eating soup out of the same bowl with their own spoon. And I thought, that would never happen in Canada. No one does that, right? And because uh, aren't there so many germs that go into that? Like, aren't, what are you thinking, you know? Uh, but being here long enough, I've gotten used to it. Same sort of thing with people checking themselves out in the mirror. Uh, whether that's in the, the form of a cell phone or a hand phone, they're like, you know, taking pictures and seeing like what they look like right now. Or in, uh, you know, in an elevator. There are mirrors everywhere, right? Like I didn't realize how many places you could put mirrors in until I came to Korea and there are mirrors all over the place. And where there isn't a mirror, there's reflection somewhere. There's like a piece of glass with some dark background. So you're like, you're kind of checking yourself out. And there's no shame in Korea, right? <laughs> when I first came, I thought that was weird. But now that I've been here as long as I have, it's totally normal now. Like I, I do it myself. Like I'm, I'm there like without any shame. I would never do that in Canada. But in Korea, no problem. There are mirrors everywhere, and it's, and it's okay. There, there's a negative side to that. The negative side is that you can be obsessed with how you look, right? And uh, I've been through seasons where I've been like, I, I want to avoid looking at myself in the mirror as much as possible. Because I could, you know, I could just, I could spend so much of my life making sure my appearance is perfect and really thinking about how I look when, when really I could be more outwardly focused on other things and not care so much about how I look. Uh, but that time, that season didn't last that long because I, eventually I became interested in a, in a woman and I realized I actually have to care about how I look, right? And uh, I, used to, like, I used to like not care about my appearance at all. Really. I used to like, you know, have you know, shaggy hair and like a beard, like I, kind of like unkept clothes, that sort of thing. And I, I, was, I was okay with that. I was like, you know, I, you know, Jesus is everything to me and he doesn't care about how I look, so it doesn't really matter. And... Um, but when I got interested in someone, that, that all changed. And I had to, you know, look in the mirror a bit more often. And mirrors became more important to me. And then I would look more intentionally into a glass of the back, a dark background to see exactly how I look. Because for my wife, when I got to know her, I wanted to look as good as possible. And then I got married to her. And then, you know, you know what kind of happens when you get married? For some of those who are married and you know people who are married... You don't intend for it to happen, but you stop caring a little bit, you know, about how, how you look. And you're, and you're not as intentional about that. And, and I've, I have to realize, I, I keep realizing, I have to, you know, keep coming back to that place where I need to have mirrors in front of me so I look presentable to my wife, with my wife, so I don't embarrass her. And now she's kind of a mirror for me. Like, if we're leaving the house together and my, my hair is kind of out of place, she'll, like, make sure I, you know, it is in place. And... I'm realizing that mirrors, there's a negative side to mirrors if you're obsessed with it. There's also a positive side if you're making sure that you're presentable in the way that you should be. We want to talk today about mirrors and one very important mirror, far more important than the mirror that you have in your bathroom or anywhere else you, you see around you, and that's the mirror of the Word of God. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but the Word of God, the Bible, is actually a mirror. And the Bible talks about this. I want everyone to turn to James 1, if you have your Bible with you. James 1, we're looking at verses 22 and following. All right, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he is doing. Amen. 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 NIV says, don't merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Anyone who looks at his face in a mirror, anyone who is, is like that, anyone who looks at his face in a mirror and goes away, forgets immediately what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do so, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. This passage emphasizes to us that the word of God is, is a mirror. What it does is it shows you who you actually are. The word of God, when you hold, it's, when you hold it, when you read it, it is filled with information, with understanding of who you actually are. In various seasons of your life, where a lot of people get caught up, especially in the church, a lot of Christians get caught up in thinking the word of God is about who you can become or who you are supposed to be striving to be, who you're trying to attain to be. But the reality of it is that in Jesus, because of what he has done, when you receive his grace of forgiveness for your life, it becomes information about who you are right now. It's filled with information about who you are in this moment, whether you feel like it or not, whether you realize it or not. If you've accepted the grace and forgiveness that Jesus offers you, if you've surrendered your life to him, you become what this book communicates to you, who you are right now. Different passages. Very important, very, uh, very clear about who we are. Things like, you are all sons of God. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, Galatians 3, Romans 6, I am dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Philippians 3.20, we are citizens of heaven. John 15, you're a branch of the true vine. In Revelation 19, we are the bride of Christ. All of these things that communicate to us right now who we actually are, whether we feel like it or not. Ephesians 1, you are holy and blameless. You might not feel holy and blameless, but if you've received Christ's forgiveness for your life, you've actually become holy and blameless right now. That's your actual status, your actual standing before God. When God looks at you, when heaven looks at you, they don't see someone who messes up a lot. They don't see someone who's all dirty and who's, you know, continually making mistakes. They see someone who's holy and blameless because of what Jesus has done, because they see the righteousness of Jesus on you. The Bible is a mirror that shows you who you are right now. And it's important to receive that revelation. There's a pastor in the States. His name is uh, Joel Osteen. You guys heard of Joel Osteen? He comes under a lot of criticism. A lot of people don't like him. But he has a lot of really good things to say. And one of the things he actually, I don't know if he still opens all of his message, messages this way. But he at least used to start his messages by everyone holding up their Bible. If you have a Bible, hold it up right now. This is what he would do. I believe he still does it. He still does it, right? Like every time, right? Man, so good. He says, repeat after me. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And he goes on from there. I forget the rest. I don't have the rest memorized. But I, I've been struck by that in the past. This, this Bible is not just about 
a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just about, you know, a bunch of stories uh, from things that happened a long time ago. It's filled with information about who I am right now. Again, whether I feel like it or not. The key for us then is to read the Bible, to see what it says, and to come into agreement with the truth of the word of God. I mean, I think how many times in my life have I, have I read the word of God? I've, I've received the word of God. Maybe you've heard a message from the pulpit and you say, that, that's nice. That sounds all good, but I can't receive that for myself. And God is inviting us continually, receive the word of God. Know that this is who you are right now, whether you feel like it or not. This past week has been a very hectic week for me. I, uh, at New Philadelphia Church in Seoul, we, um, a lot has been going on. We just signed for a new office space. Uh, we're moving our office space from one, from the, the middle of the city to one of the sides of the city. Our Itaewon campus has got a bunch of renovations. And uh, because of my role, I oversee a number of the things, or I'm involved in a number of the things that are going on for that. And uh, we, my wife and I picked, you know, this past week, we didn't realize all these things were going to happen. We picked this last week to move our own apartments across the city. And, and so many things were going on this week. It's one of those weeks where, where you feel like there's just a ton of pressure from all sides. You ever feel like that way? Like you're having a week where there's like pressure coming from that side, pressure coming from this side, pressure coming in front of you, all around you. There's so much happening. And at the same time, it feels like there are a number of things against you. Do you guys ever feel that way? Like some, some days you feel like, man, the world is against me. Like all, <laughs> all of these things are happening and, and they're, whatever, for whatever reason, they're difficult to get through or they're just not flowing the way they should. And uh, one of the issues with our move was that we, uh, our old place, our old apartment, had a fridge and a washer, all the appliances, they were all there for us. But the, move, the new place we moved into didn't have them. So one of the things that needed to happen this past week was we needed to find a new washer and a new fridge primarily. So we went online last week or a couple of weeks ago. We ordered the stuff. We were going to have it delivered the day we moved in so everything would work out perfectly. We would have it when, it when we needed it. We brought a bunch of our frozen food from our old apartment. We were going to bring it right into our new freezer. You know, it was going to be seamless. Everything was going to work out. And then we get to our new apartment the day we moved and there was nothing delivered. We thought, okay, maybe it'll just come in the afternoon. Maybe they're just kind of late. We can wait on that. And we get to the afternoon, and it still wasn't coming. So we called, and, and they were, the, the, the company was like, we didn't receive any order that you sent. We don't have any money that you sent. We, we don't know what you're talking about. And, uh, and so we thought, man, that's, that's really strange because the money went out of our account, <laughs> and uh, we got a confirmation email from your company saying you actually received this. And, uh, and they're saying they don't know anything about it. And, um, and I, won't, I won't give the full story because it's too long of a story. But we got the runaround, not for hours, but for days from this company. And, and my poor wife uh, is trying to deal with this. I had, like, I had one of those very frustrating, you know, I'm a foreigner in Korea and I can't communicate. Foreigners, you guys ever feel that way? Like, like usually... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure that you have those days as well, Pastor Caleb. Uh, usually I'm okay. And over the course of these, these 10 odd years that I've spent here, I have those days less frequently, but when they happen, they're so frustrating. Like I, 
Like my, I have some Korean knowledge, but not nearly enough to like communicate with people over the phone, uh, something like that. And so my poor wife is, is having to deal with these people who are being really uncooperative. And, uh, you know, phone calls to a bunch of different places, that sort of thing. And they get to the place where they're being, they're being disrespectful of my wife. Like, don't, don't disrespect my wife, you know? <laughs> And I'm starting to think, what, what can I do as, you know, as a man, as like, I, I need to do something as a man to get this done. And I'm thinking like, what, what I can maybe go to the, the office of the company. We bought it online. It seemed to be a reputable, you know, company. I, I could go there. I could show up. I could be like really intimidating. I could like threaten them. I could like all these things that I should not be thinking, especially as a pastor. And I'm thinking, I need to do something, you know, and Especially because I didn't like the way they were treating my wife. You know, I didn't, I didn't want that. And, uh, and I wanted to be protective. And I, like, I had these thoughts of, like, semi-violence, you know? I mean, I just, like, and I'm thinking, well, as a guy, I'm also thinking, well, I could go out and show up there, but maybe the guy's a lot bigger than me, so maybe I should, like, be careful in how I do this. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting really worked up, and my wife is being really good about it. She's being very patient, very, you know... Uh, very loving in it, and and I'm I'm worked up and stressed out, and, and in that place, I feel the Lord speak to me, and say to me, John, you're you're my son. Like you, you are a child of God. I am your provider. You know, I I'm your vindicator. I I execute vengeance where that's necessary, far better than you ever could. So leave things to me and be, be at peace. And I needed to really receive that from the word of God, that he is my provider. I am a child of God right now. That's what the word says about me. When I hold up the mirror of the word of God, it says, I am the son of God through Christ Jesus. And he is the one who, provi- who provides for me. He provides in accordance with his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. When I look at myself in the mirror and I examine it and I receive it for myself, I see that I don't need to worry. I don't need to stress. And God brought great peace into my life in that place. But it wasn't over. I had like it so many things that happened in the week. Later in the week, I was, uh, because I oversee all the, the sound tech and, and worship stuff, all the music stuff for our church, uh, with the renovations going on on our Itaewon campus, I needed to oversee the, the wiring that was happening through the building. We, we rewired things. And I needed uh, someone to come in and do some technical wiring that I couldn't accomplish myself. And there was a miscommunication, and I'm running over the city and making phone calls to people who might know someone, who might know someone who could help me out. And I was running out of time, and I was getting, and I was actually driving in Seoul traffic at this time. And people are being, you know, Seoul drivers at this time. And I'm, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to lose it again. And I feel the Lord speak to me in that place. John, you are a man of peace. You might not be experiencing peace right now, but you are a man of peace. And I, I said, yes, Lord, I, I'm a man of peace. That's, that's what the Bible says about me. I may not be feeling it right now, I might not be experiencing right now, but the word of God says, I'm a man of peace. It says that the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace 
and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. The Holy Spirit lives in me. And that's actually who I am, whether I feel like it or not. And when I received that word for myself, peace washed over me. And it was very interesting that when I received that word, nothing was working out at that point. But I, I received the words, I'm driving and I'm saying, yes, Lord, I am a man of peace. You call me a man of peace. I received that for myself. When I truly received it, it was within 30 seconds that someone from church called me. I shouldn't have picked up the phone because I was driving, but I did. And, uh, and told me that they had found someone to take care of everything that needed to be taken care of. It's like, oh, thank I, Like that could have happened like hours before that. But it was like God was waiting for me to receive who I am. John, whether you feel like it or not, receive what the word of God says about who you are. Know it, read it, receive it. That's who you are. The word of God explains who you are. It's a mirror. It shows you who you are. Now, it, it not only shows you who you are, it shows you who your family is. Do you realize that? Now, you've got a family on earth. You all have, you know, uh, at least at one point you had parents, whether you know them or not, uh, whether whether they're still alive or not, you've had a family on earth. God's given you some kind of family. But the family for you that is actually even more important than that, because it's eternal in that sense, is the family of God, the wider family of God. The Bible says that we are actually not only children of God, but children of Abraham. That in the, in the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about the blessings that come through this man named Abraham, who God chose thousands of years ago, to be the forefather of his people. And it says in the Bible that we are now children of God. In Galatians 3, we are now children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all the blessings that God blessed Abraham with in the Old Testament, in the Bible, are blessings that we receive for ourselves. And we're meant to have a family resemblance to these men in the Bible. Does that make sense? In your family, in your earthly family, there is a resemblance that you have to your parents, to your siblings, you may look like them, you may act like them, but there's some connection that you have. There's meant to be God ordained for there to be a connection that you have with your natural family. I know that's true for myself. Uh, for myself, I look a lot like my dad. It was, it was really, it was really weird. I had, it was a number of years ago, uh, an old picture of my dad was found and, and it was brought out to look, I, I got a chance to look at it and the person I saw in the picture looked like exactly like me, except it was old. It was like the hair was different and, uh, and it was like an old, like black and white picture, but it looked like me. And, uh, and a number of people have told me that, John, you look a lot like your dad. You resemble your dad a lot. And I don't just resemble my dad in his appearance. I resemble a lot of his character. And I have, uh, the honor of having a, a godly father who raised me up in such a way that I would fear the Lord. I would honor the Lord. And that I would grow in, in, uh, in character, in biblical character. And uh, he, he was very intentional about that. And he made me understand and realize that if he could do something, I could do something. If that makes sense. And when I was very young, I remember my dad uh, 
he was, uh, we were going to build a, a patio section onto our house in Canada. And he just came up to me one day and he said, hey, hey, Jonathan, my full name's Jonathan, uh, you want to help me build a patio today? I was like, you know, four years old, five years old. I'm like, yeah, let's build a patio, you know? And, uh, and I got like a hammer or whatever I had, kind of walking around like a little kid, just kind of fe- uh, feeling like I was being helpful. But my dad established this, this, this belief in me that if he's building something, I can build it too. If my dad's working on a car, I have the capacity to learn how to work on a car as well. You know, uh, those sorts of things. My dad is, he's a very, he's a physically fit man. He's, my dad, he's actually a pretty incredible guy. He's like 70 years old almost. And just last year, he decided he was going to ride his bike halfway across America uh, to raise money for Habitat for Humanity, you know, with this group. And he, um, he runs, he doesn't run full marathons anymore, but he still runs these half marathons. He runs like in the middle of winter in Canada, you know, these long races. Like he does these things. But when my dad first ran a marathon, I thought that was crazy. A marathon is like 26.2 miles. And, uh, but when I saw him train for it and I saw him actually do it, I got to, you know, to see him run it and to cheer him on. I started to think, man, I, I can run a marathon too. Why couldn't I? If my dad can do it, so can I. And, and that belief allowed me to train for a marathon. And I ended up running my first marathon on a father's day with my father. And it was, it was a manifestation of the heart of God to me to realize that if, if my dad could do something, I know it's in me to do something as well. I know I can do it. For Abraham, the Bible says Abraham's our father. Abraham is known more than anything else for faith. Abraham is a man of faith. And I think, man, Abraham is, it sounds strange, but Abraham is my dad, you know? And I, I remember that revelation hit me a year or two ago. Like Abraham, Abraham's my dad. I'm, I'm like in the line of Abraham. I'm like, I'm his son. If Abraham can be a man of faith the way he was, I can be a man of faith the way I am too, the way he was as well. And all these, not just Abraham, but these different figures you see in the Bible. I'm in the same family as King David. There should be a resemblance to King David in my life. You know, prophets like Elijah, or leaders like Moses. There is a family resemblance that's meant to be. There's a grace available in Christ to do these things. The Bible is filled with information, understanding of who I am. The Bible is a mirror, and it shows us who we are. If you want to know who you are in Christ, you pick up the Bible, you read it, you receive it. The Bible is a mirror, and it shows you who you are. This passage, where it goes on, it goes on to say that, you know, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. You know, that the word of God is no use to you, is zero use to you if you do not do what it says. It's really easy to come to church or to, you know, go to a Bible study or, or something like that and you hear a word. You say, yeah, amen. Yeah, that's a good word. I receive that. And then the rest of the week, you're living like you never heard the word. Do you ever, like, I, that happens to me all the time. I'll be real with you. Like, I, I, re, I, like, I, I hear a message. I'm like, yeah, that's really good. Wow. That's revelation. Oh, like, you know, like, it's like, man. And, and you, you feel something with your spirit. Like, that, that's really good. And then you live the rest of the week like, like that never happened. 
Like there's absolutely no change in you because you weren't intentional in, because I wasn't intentional in receiving the word and actually living it out. Do not be merely listeners of the word, but doers of the word. It says you'll be blessed in what you do. This word blessed uh, in the English, the Greek version of that, which it was originally written, it means happy. You're going to be a happy person if you do what the word says. If you want to be happy, don't just listen to the word, but do it. That's, you know, a very straightforward key to happiness. I want to be happy. I know that everyone wants to be happy. God wants us to be happy. He created us to be happy, but he says, listen to my word and then do it. And I guarantee you, you'll be happy for it. Even if you decide you're going to memorize the Bible, and maybe some of you grew up in the church, maybe some of you didn't, but when you grow up in the church, often like in Sunday school, uh, you do Bible memorization. And even in the church now, a lot of churches emphasize the importance of memorizing the Bible so you don't actually need to read it, but it's in you. It's in your heart. It's in your spirit. You could memorize the Bible but not do it. It says, you know that the Pharisees at the time of Jesus in the New Testament, they had a lot of the Bible memorized. Like as, as little like Jewish kids, when they're really young, if, if, they're, if their parents are sincere in their faith and they're raising their children in the way of faith, they, they memorize like large portions of the Bible. There are a lot of Hebrews, a lot of Jews who will memorize the entire Old Testament or, or the, the first five books, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, those books, a lot of them memorize that word for word. And, you know, you get to the, to the New Testament to where it's talking about Jesus. And Jesus is confronting these Pharisees who memorized the Bible. They had the Bible memorized in them, you know. And yet they weren't doing anything that it was saying. Or maybe they're doing some things, but they completely lost track of the heart of it and actually living it out. And I see myself, my own life, and I think that's actually true of my own life too. I, I've spent, in different seasons of my life, I've memorized you know, different portions of the Bible. And one of the, one of the first longer passages, one, probably the, the longest passage of the Bible, actually it is, that I've memorized ever, is the book of James. One time I, I had a job in college that required very minimal brain power. <laughs> and I decided I was going to use that time to memorize the Bible. And uh, it was such a blessing. It was actually, it was a landscaping job, but it was like, like I was doing a lot of grass cutting. Like grass cutting, that's like the lowest, I mean, not the lowest, but it's like, it's like a pretty low-class summer job for a college student. Anyways, I, I enjoyed it because I had the opportunity to, to just meditate on the Word because I didn't have to really think about things. And so I started memorizing the book of James. And I memorized it from the beginning, uh, from, from James 1, and I just... I memorized the first chapter first, or the first few verses in the first chapter, in the second chapter. And every time I went over it, I started at the beginning. So the beginning of James, I knew really well. I'd said it over my head, like, because it took me a while to get through all five, but I kept doing the first verse, first couple, first uh, chapter and first couple chapters over and over and over and over and over again. Do you know how James starts? These are the first words of James. These are the words that I went over my mind over and over and over and over again. It starts, James, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. That's just a greeting. That's verse 1. And he says, 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The first verses say, be joyful when things are difficult for you. I said that in my mind over and over and over. I, 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 can't, I can't count how many times I said that over and over again in my mind. Be, consider it pure joy. It's literally know that it's pure joy. Know that when you're going through difficult times, it's actually a joyful thing for you. Because God is making you into the image of Jesus when you go through difficult times. And that's the most important thing in the world for you, to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That's God's biggest dream for you, that you be made like Jesus, to love in the same way that Jesus loved. To move and act in the same way that Jesus acted. To have faith in the same way that Jesus had faith. Consider it pure joy, because I'm doing a good work in you. And I, how many times even while I was memorizing that, was I not applying the word to my life? <laughs> like, consider pure joy, consider pure joy, consider pure joy, but then I'm living like I have no concept of that. I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a, a real test of maturity, by the way. When you're considering it pure joy, but it's simple obedience to the word. Don't be hearers of the word only, but do what it says, and you'll be blessed because of that, it really comes down to repentance. Every time you hear the word of God, every time you read the word of God, anytime someone shares it, even in passing or, you know, however you hear the word of God, God's calling you, if your heart and your life is not lined up to it, to simply repent, to turn around. I think for a lot of people, repent is like this, it's, a, it's an overwhelming word. Some people think it's like a very offensive word, right? You see people walking down the street. I don't know if this happens in Busan. It happens in places in Seoul where you get people with like the sandwich boards and they're like, repent for the kingdom of heaven is your repent. You're all going to hell, you know, right now, if you do not repent, you know, and it really puts a lot of people off when the gospel is presented in that way. And, and so for a lot of people, it's a very offensive thing, repent, but it's actually one of the most beautiful things that you could ever receive for yourself is to simply repent. Repentance isn't just like, I made a decision to follow Jesus one day, so I repented that day. Repentance is actually an everyday thing. God calls us, he invites us to repent of our ways every day. Every time your life, the Bible is like, is like here and your life kind of veers off to the side, God says, repent, turn around and go onto my path because I know that you'll ha be happy when you do. I want you to be happy repent and turn to my way. Keep your, it's, it's okay to repent. You know, God, God doesn't, he doesn't really get put off when we make mistakes. Like we, we tend to think a lot of us tend to think that God is really angry at us. And like, you are a sinner. You messed up today. I'm angry with you. God's not like that. He has the heart of a father for us. He loves us. He knows we make mistakes. He knows we do things that we shouldn't do. And he knows that he paid the price for that by his son dying on the cross for us. And he says, simply repent, turn away from your sin. And I'm going to pour out my blessing on you. Proverbs 127. 127 says that, that, you know, repent at my rebuke. 
and I'm going to pour out my blessing. I would pour out my love if you responded to my correction. I would pour out my love. I'd pour out my spirit on you. I'd show you how delighted I am in you, how much I'm for you, if you would simply respond rightly to my correction. You know, to be a teachable person, for a lot of my life, I, I, I wrestle with that. Like, I, I grew up playing hockey and uh, ice hockey, for those of you who that might confuse. Ice, in Canada, it's a big deal. A lot of people play ice hockey. Uh, and I was a goaltender. I grew up playing goal. And, uh, and I would have these coaches that would, that would try to hone my, my skills. They'd try to fine-tune my skills. They'd try to, you know, teach me how to play the angles right and teach me how to move diagonally and, and uh, laterally, I should say, right. And often when my coaches would speak into the way I play, at least to a certain degree, I would have a fence in my heart. Like, I know how to do that. Or like, I don't, I don't think that's, you know, I, I don't really need to change that. Like, it's... Like, it's okay, or I know how to do that sort of thing. And I wasn't necessarily a very teachable person growing up. And it, it bleeded into other areas of my life as well. But the word of God is so clear. If you would be teachable in your heart, if you would just turn, knowing that God's not angry with you, God's not upset at you, God just wants to discipline you so that you will be happy, you know? If you would just be teachable in your heart, if you would turn from the way that you're going into a way that's in alignment with scripture, God would pour out his love on you. He'd show you how delighted he is in you. He just says, take, take that time to be aligned with my heart. I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. To not merely, to not merely be listeners of the word, but simply, but doers of the word as well. And that's God's invitation for us to repent today. Repent. It sounds like a strong, heavy handed word. And I was repenting when pastor Caleb at Sunday swim, the prayer meeting beforehand, pastor Caleb was talking about, uh, about being in love with Jesus. Started out Sunday swim talking about that and, and how God's calling us to really be in, in love with him. And I was examining my own heart as pastor Caleb was saying, I'm thinking, man, right now, that's not where I am right now. I'm not feeling in love with Jesus. Right now, I'm prioritizing other things or I'm being distracted by other things. And I felt the Lord say, just repent. Return from that. Repent. Align your heart with who the Bible says you actually are. And I'm going to pour up my love on you. And it's going to be the sweetest thing you'll ever know. Repentance is the sweetest thing you will ever know. Because it's the invitation of God to feast on his love and to enjoy him and to be happier than you could ever be otherwise. And that's God's invitation for us today. Uh, we're just going to take some time to pray, just to receive that word in a deeper way right now. Pastor Herman can come up. And now you can put your books to the side, you can put your Bibles to the side. You can close your eyes and just receive this message, this invitation from the Lord. To receive the word of God as a mirror, not as something that you're trying to strive to be, not as something that you're trying to earn through your, you know, your, your energy, your, your fleshly energy, but to be receiving the truth of who you actually are right now.
God wants to bring revelation of that right now into your heart. Because you're not a failure. You're not someone who messes up a lot. You're not someone who's really angry, who's really bitter. You're not someone who's unforgiving. The Bible says that you are holy and blameless in Christ. That God has put his love on you and love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not easily angered. Now, if there's something that, that God's highlighting in your heart, that he's saying, you need to repent of this. Not that God is angry with you in any way, but that God is a loving father inviting you into the place of true happiness and true fulfillment. If there's something that God's highlighting in your heart, repent from this. Turn to the truth of who you actually are in the word of God.